Welcome to the Communities Podcast. We greet you in the precious name of our Lord Jesus, whom we adore, of course. We pray this word will richly bless you and speak to your heart. Enjoy. This morning, um, if you've got your Bibles, we, the core scripture is 1 Corinthians chapter number 9. And the title of my sermon this morning is, Why Do You Run? Why Do You Run? 1 Corinthians chapter number 9, verse 24. I'm going to read from, from uh, 2 Timothy 4, 7, but I'm going to go to 1 Corinthians 9. So don't, while I'm reading this, be like, oh, God's speaking something else to me, you know. So I'm just going to read this. Paul writes this in 2 Timothy 4, verse 7. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I fought the good fight. I have finished my race. I have kept the faith. The one time I was coming out of an emergency room, not because I was praying for people, because I decided to go visit the hospital. And um, I, was, I went out and I was walking in Kun to, to buy a gift for a friend of mine. And uh, as I was reminded of the scripture, and in the scripture, this one that I just read, Second Timothy, my um, translation was, I have fought to keep the faith. Because sometimes life is so hard that you sometimes... Can I, is there anybody that can witness to that? That you've actually had to fight to keep the faith. Never mind fighting. To, you know, I've had to fight to hold on to the fact that I believe that Jesus is the healer, though I'm sick. I believe Jesus is the way maker, yet there is no way that has been made. I believe that Jesus will give me a breakthrough, but yet there is no breakthrough. Is there any person that can witness to that this morning? And sometimes what happens is we become despaired. We lose our faith. We lose our hope. How many of you have been there? You know, Just when I do an altar call, I need to know how many you know, people I'm going to cater for. But you get to the place where you go, what is the point? of believing what is the point of believing and I want to share something with you that my not even my wife knows I've never shared this with anybody um, a couple of years ago I used to train a lot I spoke a little bit about that last week and um, I got sick I got injured and and the hard part was when I was making a recovery when I started training it was the hardest thing that I've ever had to go through but the physical part of it you know, you break a bone, you've got six weeks, it heals. But the hardest part is the mental block. The hardest part is, I remember this when I went to go run. I ran, I, I, and I used to run far, and I used to run a lot. I used to do certain training exercises. And this time around, after recovering from everything and the torment and the issues that you went through, I went outside the road and I started running. And I got to like 100 meters, just more like 10. But then I, I looked up. And I was like, what's the point? What's the point of me carrying on running? What's the point of me putting my body through this again? It's not like Hani Kamea is the, is, the, is the springbok coach and he's going to pull people out of retirement. I'm too old to go back to the field. What's the point? I went and I started running and I was looked up into the sky and I just remember. And all of a sudden I just stopped running. And every single time I tried to get back into training, it was the hardest thing. And I would have all sorts of excuses. Oh, I've got an injury. Oh, this knee is still not right. Oh, this calf is there. This muscle I've torn or whatever. And you come up with all sorts of excuses. But the reality and the truth was it was all up here that I had this mental block. And I asked the question, what is the point of me having to go back? And what is the point of me having to put my body through all of this again? 
And oftentimes, and the reason why I bring this up this morning is because I believe that some of us have gone through some sort of torment, some sort of trauma, some sort of struggling to keep the faith that you have this place where you come to and you ask, what is the point of me keeping on believing? Am I speaking to anybody? I see one or two people nodding their heads. That's great. I was waiting for some arms to come up, but we're not there yet. But what is the point of you believing? What is the point of me keeping my purity? Why don't I just act like a hooligan like everybody else? What is the point of me constantly having to put myself through certain paces? What is the point? For what do we believe? Have you ever asked this question, why do you run? When I went and say this, I mean, why do you believe? Why do you strive after Jesus? Is it so that you can be kept out of hell? Because that would really suck. I'm just going to be honest with you. If I was God and the only reason why you love me is because you don't want to go to some dark place. Because honestly, we'd rather want to go up in the club and we'd rather want to drink and party and shake my thing and all that. And I'd rather live that lifestyle. And the only reason why I keep on to Jesus or hold on to him is because I'm scared I'm going to go to the dark place. I'm going to go to the place with the guy with the stick and the horns and the tormenting spirit. Imagine if you were God and the only reason why people loved you was because they didn't want to go somewhere else because it was so bad. So I'm asking you this question, why do you run? Why do you believe what you believe? Why even reach out to Jesus in the first place? Have you asked yourself the question? Because in Pentecostal theology, as great as Pentecostal theology is, and it isn't really one true stream of Christianity that is constantly right, but in Pentecostal theology, they believe this, that there are two callings. One, the general call that everybody must come to Christ. And the second one, uh, this is what happens when you buy a funky carpet. And the second one is there's a call for people who stand on platforms and they minister and they believe that this is ministry. And when you are called here, you have a desire and you have a run and you're fighting to keep the faith. But what happens if you're just part of the general populace? What happens if you never get here? Why run? Why believe? Paul goes here in 1 Corinthians chapter number 9, verse 24. Do you know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. Why are you running? Why are you partaking? Why do you believe in Jesus? When you, if, if you're new to this church and you're a visitor, uh, you must know that we give more questions than answers. Because when you follow God, no man has the answers. There's only one man who has the answers. His name is Jesus. And, and if you followed him and you followed throughout the gospels, he would answer a question with a question. You know why he did that? Because when in the Jewish thinking is if you're asking a question and my answering you in a question, it means this, that you, I'm not, your question is so low that I'm not even going to answer it, but I want you to think about this. So I'm asking you another question because your thinking's in the wrong place. Because oftentimes to follow him has got to do with also a way that you think. How a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. What is God after? you he's after you as the person 
Okay, God is after you as a person. Let me talk to Brom. God is after you as a person. God cares so much about you that he will fetch you from little Dalmas. And he will he'll send his spirit to you. And if you look at Dalmas on the map, you have to zoom in quite a lot to get there. But Jesus loves you so much that he would zoom in. And there is nothing that he wouldn't do to get to you that he would call you. You're not a Jew. You're not even Greek. You're nothing. You were nothing before. But his spirit cared so much about you that he would come and find you in a little place called Dalmas. That's how much God loves you. The Spirit of the Lord is after you. He runs and he knows why he runs. He runs to find you. Why do you run? Why do you believe? What is the point of abstaining from something that is sinful if there is no reason for it? You see, when I, had, when I was training for a goal, I would put my body through all sorts of pain, all sorts of discomfort. You, you train until you, you throw up. You, you train until you, it hurts. And after it hurts, you get up again. And you used to have the saying that if it doesn't hurt, you're not doing it right. So what is the point of you running if you have no purpose in your run? What is the point of you running and trying to chase after him? When you don't even know why you're chasing him. Like a dog running after a car. Paul understood why he ran. Verse 25. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to, uh, they do it to obtain a perishable crown. But we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. So what Paul is saying here is he's saying, I run and I place myself under discipline. I withhold from certain things. I abstain from certain things to give myself over to other things. And when you give yourself over to Jesus, trust me, it's not always fun. It's not always nice. Because I was born with a sin nature, it is natural for me to succumb myself to sin. In fact, it is pleasurable to give myself over to sin. If sin wasn't lacquer, nobody would do it, is what I'm trying to tell you. But Paul comes here and he says, I beat myself. I put myself under certain pressures. I put myself under certain stresses. I put myself in certain circumstances. I have run the race. I have fought the good fight. Now let me remind you what Paul himself went through. He was shipwrecked. He was beaten. He was stoned. He was laughed at. His own people rejected him. And yet he kept the faith. He kept believing what he was believing. He kept believing in his mission. He kept believing in his calling. He was pushing for something higher and not something lower. I'm asking you this morning, have you ever considered why you run? Because sometimes what we do is we say to little kids, give yourself over to Jesus. Give yourself over to Jesus. Why? Because when they give themselves over to Jesus, we're like, it's your problem now. My job's done. He's going to heaven. I told him about Jesus. He's given himself over Jesus. But we've never given him a reason to run. We've never given him a reason to believe except to tell him that if you're going to keep doing the wrong things, you're going to go to a very dark place. 
I had this phone, uh, I had this friend, he had a phone when we were like 13 years old, that's when like phones started coming out, and he was a little bit of a spoiled child, and he got this phone, and a teacher who was very annoying, a very Afrikaans teacher, and in a very English school, used to say, that's too bad, sir, that's how he used to speak, and he said to the friend of mine, Johnny, if you don't put that phone away, I'm going to take that phone and put it in a dark place, and he said, sir, if you touch me, I'm going to pick you up and put you in a dark place. Why I think that that's funny is because I think that's the way we sometimes approach Jesus. That's how we sometimes approach the gospel. Is that we think that we should abstain from certain things because, again, we're afraid of hell. That we don't understand that abstaining from certain things actually empowers us to do bigger, bigger things and better things for him. We don't understand that if you're holy, holiness is not a burden. It's not something that you should, you know, like, ah, it's so hard to be holy and I've got to feel sorry for myself and put myself a little bit in a corner and then maybe whip myself a little bit when I think bad thoughts. Holiness is something where it's pulling you up higher because holiness means that you think higher than everybody else. That's why people don't like you when you live your life and you live it right. Because you think differently to everybody else around you. Because holiness will present you into heavenly places and put you in heavenly places so that your thoughts would be higher. The reason why Jesus gave us Christ, the reason why God gave us Christ is so that we would have access to him. Why do we need access to him? Because he wants to keep taking you higher. Because your sinfulness, your humanity caused you to be lower. And when he looked at you, he said, you don't deserve to be in the mud. You deserve to be in the stars. You deserve to be in the sky. And every single time you make the right decision, every single time you push for holiness, every single time you abstain from that which is wrong, you do it for a purpose and you do it for a reason. I'm asking you again this morning, why do you run? I'm asking you again this morning, why do you believe? What is the very reason for your belief? How did Paul survive what he went through? If he did not have a purpose for it, he would never have pushed himself under so much pressure to get there. You don't get the oil out of the olive lest you put the olive under pressure. You are a Christian. Christ in you. The anointed one lives. He wants the anointing to come out. Why? Because the anointing destroys the yoke. What does yoke do? Yoke binds you and brings you down. You put yoke over cattle and they're unable to lift themselves up so they're unable to see the direction they want to go to. So a yoke is placed on them because the farmer wants to tell the cattle where to go. So cattle can't make his own decision. So the devil did the same thing to us where he put the yoke on us so that we wouldn't be able to look up. We wouldn't be able to have freedom. We wouldn't be able to make up our own minds and our own decision. The greatest revelation that I received of myself is I am nothing until he calls me something. And the only thing he called me was a son. And therefore, that is all that I am. I am a son of God. And this is why it's nice to be a son of God. Because whatever the father has, the son has also. Whatever the Father has access to, the Son has access to. You are invited into a family with God. But why do you run? Why do you push so hard to keep your sonship? Why do you follow him? It is the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. Meaning that the reason why I do what I do is because I found somebody that revealed his love to me. And because he revealed his love to me, I began to love him. Therefore, I run and I beat my, the air, so to speak. I, I train, so to speak. I put myself under all sorts of conditions 
because I love him, because I'm working towards something for him. Because when you do something out of love, not out of compulsion, you begin to believe and you begin to buy into the vision of what the father is doing. Because how do you know someone is a son? The son takes care of the father's business. What is the father's business? Why do you run? Why do you believe? The hardest thing for me to overcome when I was running is this depression. What's interesting in, in, in my life and what the Lord's allowed me to go through is he allowed me the honor of having my body broken. He allowed me the honor of breaking my body. And the reason why he allowed my body to be broken is so that I could relate closer to him and I could also experience the power that heals my body. What the Lord then did with me then is he caused me to have a broken mind. So he caused me to fall into all sorts of mental issues and mental things. And when I started going through all these mental issues, I'm just kind of like, what are you doing up there? Do you know how this works? What's going on? Have you ever felt like that? Or am I the only one? That sometimes I walk out of my house and I look up. I don't do it in my house because the ceiling's right there and that's how sometimes it feels like my prayers are hitting the season. So I, I go outside and I'm like, do you know what you're doing up there? Like the car's broken. The, the relationship's broken. The kids are broken. The job's broken. You know, like you sometimes look, am I the only one? Okay, I'm the only one. Let me just begin to preach to myself. I'm the only one where it feels like things are just falling apart. And you're like, can I help you do your job up there? Just help me out here. And I walk outside and I'm, and I'm like, what are you doing? Because every single time he allowed me to come to a place of brokenness, I no longer relied on my strength. I began to rely on his strength. When I don't trust my own thoughts, I can begin to trust his thoughts. And if I know his mind, it's because I know his word. That's why when I speak, when I'm, when I'm reading his word, I begin to see what he thinks. And when I begin to see what God, the Lord's done, I begin to go like, oh, this is a love letter. This is a love letter to me, and you've written all these things so that I may get to know you more. I've written all these things so that you may, I may see you in a new light, and he's inviting me into this place with him. Why do you run? Why do you believe what you believe? Why is it? This is the crazy thing that God does with us. When he calls you, he gets you to a place of where you give over everything to him. So he says, stop being independent. Stop trying to be Beyonce. Don't be weird. So then he goes and he, he calls you. And then you become so dependent on him. And when you become dependent on him, he's like, catch me if you can. And then he leaves. And I'm like, what are you doing? You, you did all of this stuff for me to become dependent on you. And then it, when me becoming dependent on you, you start creating me to become independent. What is he doing? Why does he do it? What's the game here? What is he after? Why do you run? For what do you believe? So he goes and he does this with me. He says, I'll allow your mind to be broken so that I could give you a sound mind and you can rely on me. I allowed your body to be broken so that you would rely on me and not on your own strength because you can bench press this. I can pick up the whole world. Look at me. Because the more I begin to rely on him and no longer rely on me, he begins to show me 
who I am. My wife keeps saying this verse to me when she was praying for me, 1 Corinthians 10. We went through whole hectic things a couple of years ago. In 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13, she kept saying this to me. And every time she said this to me, my, the, 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 my stomach would just go into all sorts of knots. And it would, it would like feel like it was a pit. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Noted temptation has overtaken except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able to. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. In other words, God will not allow you to tempt you past your strength. And when my wife said that to me, I began to start getting nervous. Because I, I, became, I got to the end of me like, you know, last week. And now you're praying this, where it says you won't allow you to be tempted beyond your means. And I'm going, that was already then. And in this process of me becoming dependent and then me becoming independent, I begin to see myself because as I see him, I see me. And through this process, he says, you see how much you can take? Do you see how much you can take? Do you see what you can get out of? Do you see what you can come back of? I was like, no, I can't. I can't do this. He's like, watch me. I'll put you through it. And I will allow the devil that's a pit bull on a chain to come at you. And when I've had enough, I say, sit down. And he says, yes, sir. And he sits down. So the Lord will allow the enemy to attack you. And once he's allowed the enemy to attack you, you're only there to get stronger. Because when Joshua and Caleb went into the promised land, they saw the giants. They came back and they said, our report is that God has made them like bread. Let me read it from the NIC, the Nick translation. God has made them practice. The cancer is practice. The sickness was practice. The, the, the tension between your marriage is practice. The broken car is practice. Every time the enemy comes closer to you and the Lord has allowed him to come closer to you, you begin to wrestle with him. That wrestling is but practice because you're getting stronger. He's not even the main event. He's not even the main goal. It's, he, it's, in other words, what I'm trying to say to you is that it's not... It's not you're not, you're, 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 your purpose of your life was not to come to a place where you just wrestle the devil and win and go, that's the victory, that's the crown. He's only practice because the main event is God himself. Because the main event is when you get up to heaven and you see him. And, he, and once you've seen him, you become like him. You've come to the main event. Because I have fought the fight to keep the faith. I have fought and I have run my race. Ask you this morning, why do you run? For what is the purpose for? Why do you believe? What are you actually after? This is the issue sometimes with ministers that I get to meet and I see you for a long time. Is that they would give the, everything to this ministry, not to the word. They'll give everything to stand here. They will sacrifice marriage. They will sacrifice children. They will sacrifice their livelihood to stand here. And this was never the goal. They will give everything over to their calling instead of to whom they are called. Why do you run the race? What are you after? And what is he after? You've come to a place in your life and you've been saved. Why didn't he just save you when you were 99 about to die? Why didn't he just wait for you to get to the end of you and then say on your last breath, oh, I believe in Jesus. There we go. Boof. We're going to heaven. Why do you believe? Who is the recipient of your faith? 
What is the purpose of your faith? Why do you run? And this morning, the Lord has been placing this, this, this on my heart all the time. And, and this week, as I was prepping for this, the question that kept coming up was, why do you run? Why do you believe? Why is it that you're striving after God? Why is it that you're keeping the faith? You can see I'm in this little circle. I'm kind of keep asking until it drops. Because some of you don't know why you believe. Some of you are waiting for people to release your purpose and your calling so that you may have life. But it's with you all the time. Because the Spirit of God has always spoken to you and always reminded you of who you are. And one of the reasons why people stop uh, believing and the reason why people stop training and why they stop putting themselves under all sorts of pressure is because they become despondent. In Proverbs chapter number 18 verse 14 it says this where, where I don't know if we're, oh, he doesn't put anything on the screen. Where it says in Proverbs chapter number 18 verse 14 he says, um, the spirit of a man will sustain him in sickness, but who can bear a broken spirit? There are some people here this morning that I want to speak to and some people listening online that you've gone through so much stuff in life that you've actually become numb. That you have believed and you've been disappointed and you've become despondent and you've become numb. Because of trauma. Because you believed and the breakthrough didn't happen. You prayed and you, like everyone told you to pray and it just didn't happen. And the question is, why do you run? And I want you to turn to Psalm 51 if you've got your Bibles with you. I want to show you this question. I want to show you this verse. As we're answering this question. Because the question is, how do you overcome depression? How do you overcome anxiety? How do you overcome mental block? You know, it's interesting when you, when you uh, look at people who went through war specifically and they lose a limb, their leg got blown off because they stood on a landmine. What's interesting is that naturally they know the leg's not there. But in their mind, they still perceive their leg to be there. And some of them can feel a pain in a leg they don't have. Because they have not yet realized, they have not yet registered mentally what they've actually gone through and the fact that they've lost a leg. And some people are there in their lives at this moment. Spiritually, you've gone through some stuff and you've been disappointed and you've fallen short and you've not yet, re yet registered the trauma in your mind. And you still think that you're feeling a pain to a limb that you no longer have. I would say, am I talking to somebody? But now I'm going to get deep. So now I want to speak to places that you're afraid to go to. Because sometimes when we start, when we start talking at places like I'm disappointed in God, people go like, oh no, you've lost your faith. We can't talk about that stuff. I prayed and my kids are still sick. I laid hands on them. I anointed them and I'm still taking them to the ER at one o'clock in the morning. I laid my hands and the car still didn't fill up with fuel supernaturally and I still don't have the money to fill it. I prayed and I still lost the job. I still got retrenched. I fasted and I prayed and she still left me. Packed her bags and went and left the house and left me alone. And because, because we've come into this culture where we say we can't be disappointed because if you're disappointed it means you just didn't have enough faith. 
And especially when something goes wrong, I love this. When I go wrong, people are always like, what sin is in your life? What sins in your life? I'm going to share something with you. When stuff is going wrong in my life, it's probably because there's no sin. When stuff is right, it's probably because I'm sin. Because of the grace of God. That's just for me. I don't know about you. You do you. Because when there's no sin and things start getting hectic, it's because the devil is trying to tempt me to get me to a place where I can't sin. And when things are going wrong, it's God saying, Nicholas, believe. I'm stretching you. Practice. Why do you run? Why do you believe? And in Psalm 51, thanks Jeremy. In Psalm 51 verse 16, for you do not desire sacrifice or else I would give it. This is David, the man who understood sacrifice. Remember Samuel the prophet, in the book of Samuel it is written that God doesn't desire sacrifice, that obedience, sorry, let me re rephrase, obedience is better than sacrifice. That God requires for you to first obey before he requires for you to give. I'm going to say it again. God first requires for you to obey before he requires you to give. You can't give yourself out of the circumstances or situations that you're in. But you can be obedient. You can be obedient and be led out. Because you can only give to God what God has given to you. That's the sacrifice that he respects. In other words, you can't give from your credit card because you don't own the money in your credit card. You can only give what he's put into your hands. And the only reason why he asks you for that is because he gave you that. God did not ask Abraham to put Eliezer, his servant, on the altar. He did not ask Abraham to take Ishmael and put him on the, on, on the altar. He asked for Isaac. Why? Because God provided Isaac. He didn't provide Ishmael. He didn't provide Eliezer. He provided Isaac, God will only ask you to give what he's put into your hands. And the reason why he does that is so that he may, may multiply it and bring it back to you. And the reason why he does that is because every time you obey, there is a reward. So whenever God is asking you to give, he's, he's setting you up for your reward. He's only asking you to give because he's ready to give you. And he's only asking that which he already gave you. In other words, your, your cuteness got you this job and God doesn't want anything from that job because that job didn't come from him. When he's opened up a door for you and you got the job and you go, there's no way I could have got this job without him. He says, that's the job I won. So David writes this, he says, for you do not desire sacrifice or else I would give it. This is interesting because David was writing this psalm because of his great sin. His great sin is that he committed adultery, and then after adultery, he committed murder. And then he wrote Psalm 51, created me a clean heart, O Lord. So this psalm follows that. And then in that state of mind, he says, you don't desire sacrifice. In other words, I can't give myself out of this situation. Only you can get me out of this situation. You do not desire sacrifice for us, I've given. You do not delight in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God is what? A broken spirit. A broken spirit is what oftentimes leads people to depression. Because broken bones can be healed, but sometimes there's something that's happening inside of here that I just doesn't just want to, it just doesn't tick right. 
It just doesn't feel good. I prayed and it didn't happen. I believed and nothing came past. And I'm sitting with this issue. Yes, I believe. Yes, I come to church every Sunday. Yes, I give my tithes. Yes, I'm doing what you're asking me to do, Lord. But I still have an issue that I don't want to address. So I'm just going to pretend it's not there. And I'm just going to keep praying Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Thank you, God, that you're great. And we'll sing it. You're the way maker. But I don't really believe it because, you know, I was dropped. And there's some issues that God wants to get to this morning. And he's asking you to take your depression. He's asking you to take your broken spirit. And he's saying to you, that's what I want. That is a sacrifice that I'm willing to take. In other words, all your disappointments where you have dropped you. Because oftentimes the issue oftentimes is I have a problem with me. I'm disappointed in the decisions that I made. Right? And he's saying, all of that, I want you to bring it to me. And I want you to put it on the altar. Every time you feel like God's dropped you. Every single time you prayed and the person still ended up dying. Every single time you feel like you believed and what was the point of believing. He says, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. And a broken and a contrite heart. These, O oh God, you do not despise. Because I will mourn. And I will take that disappointment. And I will bring it up. And in order for me to bring it up, it means that I need to realize that it's there. It means I need to call a spade a spade. It means I need to stop suppressing my disappointment and begin to actually bring it up. I feel like it's a little tough this Sunday morning. Am I speaking to anybody? Great. So I don't have to listen to the recording just for me. Right. Because this morning God wants to deal with something that is deep within your heart. God wants to deal with stuff that you don't even know exists. I know in 15 years I've seen many different things. And I've met many people who claim to be prophetic. But I can only count on my one hand one person who is really prophetic. This person is really detailed. And I'm not going to mention the person's name because some of you know him. But this person will walk into a room and begin to call out things in people that they didn't even know was there until he called it out. And when he calls it out, they go like, oh, yeah, that's why I've been feeling like I've been feeling. He walks amongst people. He'll say, like, there's an issue in this marriage type of thing, as an example. And people are like, what issue? We were happily married. There's nothing wrong. And the minute he says it, the person's like, oh, yeah. That's the tension and why we haven't been able to be one, really. Because this thing's existence has been hanging over my head. And there are some things that God will rip open so that you may deal with it. Because the reason why I'm talking about this this morning is because some of you desired spiritual growth and you're not getting it. And the reason why you're desiring it and you're not getting it is because there's some issues that are holding you back. Because the one thing that I learned by having a broken body is I went for knee surgery. The first knee surgery I went for, uh, they gave me stitches that I ended up becoming allergic to, which is great fun. If you've ever seen that blistering on your knee, it's wonderful. It's nice. It's gooey stuff. Being funny, guys. And so when that blistered, it created a bigger scar than just a cut. And when I went to physiotherapy, you know what they do? I love those people. They take their thumb and they push it in the skull and they begin to rub. 
And that's the first time I've ever wanted to box a woman. Because I thought I was going to come up and headbutt her. And she rubs and she's like, if I don't do this, the scar will grow to the bone. And you will never have muscle there. It will never be able to form. So I've got to rub the scar so that it detaches itself so that there can be growth. And the reason why God will penetrate and put touch on things that are deep within you is because you will never grow unless he begins to put his thumb and begin to rub that scar and begin to deal with things in the past that you have suppressed and that you have forgotten about that the Holy Spirit wants to deal with. There are some things that the Holy Spirit wants to deal with to why you don't really want to pray, to why you don't really want to read your word. You know, this Bible sometimes lies on my desk and I walk circles around it because I know every time I pick it up, he speaks to me. And there are sometimes I just don't want to hear from him because he's going to call out something else that I have to deal with. Am I the only one? There are some things that he wants to deal with. And this morning, is, I want to call it out despondency. This morning, I want to call it out a broken spirit. This morning, you know, people with anger, this thing that happened yesterday, people are like, what's the point? We've seen these things happen before over and over and over and nothing's changed. If that's you, it's probably because there's something that happened in your past that God wants to deal with. There's some sort of thing that God, you feel like God has dropped you somewhere. What's the point of praying? He's going to get sick. We're just going to give him panada and he's going to get better. But this thing that God does not despise is a broken spirit and a contrite heart. This thing that God does not despise is if you can take your depression and put it on the altar and say, here, take it. This thing that God will not despise is, Nicholas, if it feels like you're losing your mind, surrender your mind to me and I will give you new thoughts. This thing that God does not despise to say, Father, if I'm broken, Lord Jesus, by your stripes, I'm healed. By the blood of Jesus, I'm set free and I'm going to give my body over to you. And if you want me to die this way, I'm going to do it with a smile on my face because I know why I run. I know why I believe and I know in whom I have believed. You would think that after everything that Paul went through, it's not even, all of it is not even mentioned in the Bible. You have to go study it up to think that at the end of his race, in Romans chapter number eight is the best example where he says, I know nothing can separate me from the love of God, neither height nor depth nor angels. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. This is the guy that was in a corner and they were beating him and he, when they were beating him in that corner he would write afterwards there's nothing that can separate me from the love of God this is a guy who left everything to follow him and he can write and say I know I am convinced that there is nothing that can separate me from the love of God I know why I run this is the same guy who they would laugh at that they wouldn't even come to listen to when he preached they were afraid of his letters but when he preached they laughed at him because he looked like something out of a horror movie because of the scars and how he was deformed from all the persecution and then he says I have run the I have run my run I've run the race I have fought the good fight I know in whom I have believed I know in whom I have believed I am convinced that I am nothing can separate me from the love of God why do you run why do you put yourself under all sorts of pressures why do you abstain from such nice things why make the hard decisions there's something wrong with me though sometimes I must be honest that's why I went to therapy in the beginning of the year but but I would always choose the hard way Never the easy way, because if it doesn't hurt, you're not doing it right. Why do you run? Why do you believe? 
I want to ask you this morning, because if you find the reason to why you run, no one will ever ask you when you're going to pray, when you're going to read your Bible, when you're going to come to church, because you're going to be so on fire for the Lord, because you understand why you run. This morning, God wants to do a reality check with you. He's asking you the question, why do you believe? You know, the last time I was in the emergency room, which is about two years ago, I was, everyone else around me was panicking. They were taking me, sending me to all sorts of x-rays, doing bloods, all that kind of stuff. I was actually enjoying myself because I was been here so many times that I know the protocol, I know what they're going to do. And I said, I'm sitting there, I'm going, huh, now when I, I build a hospital, this is what I would do. And you know, I would do it this way. And I'm just being wheeled off from one place to another place. The reason why I'm saying that to you is because when you understand when God speaks to you in the hospital and he says, Nicholas, it's not your time. I wanted to die. I wanted to cross over. I could feel the spiritual realm was as thin as the curtain around my bed. And I was like, yes, now I'm going to come see Jesus face to face because I've got some questions. That's me. And as I was trying to do that, God's like, it's not your time. I'm not here to take you. Why do you run? Why do you believe? It means the rest of the time it was just fun. I was just, okay, I'm going to enjoy myself. I'm not going to die now. Though it feels like I'm going to die. I'm not going to die now. Why do you run? To know that Paul was so determined in understanding what his job was that he could write the last letter to Timothy. That was his last, his last epistle. He knew that his time was. He knew it was his time. How wonderful. If you're following the Lord and you're living a life with purpose, you will know when it's your time. Everybody's going to die. Here's the good news. Full stop. Everyone's going to die. I don't know anybody else has seen anybody else walking around for the last 2,000 years, but you're going to die at some stage. David writes it this way in the Psalms. He says, Father, teach me to number my days. I know why I'm running. I know why I believe. That's why when everything feels like it's going to go belly up, Russia's going to attack us, China's going to attack us, America's going to attack us, the UK is going to attack us, the EFF is going to attack us, whoever's going to attack us, everything's going to go belly up anyway. Everything that you see is going to burn anyway. At some stage, my friend, let me prophesy, you will die. At some stage, you're going to come to the end of your life. This is a fact. Why did you run? Why did you believe? What was the purpose of your life? Why did you survive the measles? The, why did you survive the sickness? Why did you survive the car crash? Why did you survive poverty? Why do you run? And I want you to remind yourself this morning, why do you run? Because I see the cross standing before me. And the cross is the only thing that I see. Because everything ends with the cross, everything starts with the cross. And yet Jesus says, Lest you deny yourself and pick up your cross, you are not worthy of me. Why do you run? For what is the purpose of your life? I mean, people are sometimes, I'm sometimes tempted when they ask me to pray for healing. And I've seen supernatural healing and I've been grateful to grow up in a church where you see miracles. And I remember standing before somebody and they was like, you know, pray for healing. I said, for what reason? What are you going to do with your healing? Who do you live for? Let me show you how significant yesterday was. Today is Rosh Hashanah. 
which means from a Hebraic perspective, tonight is like the old year's eve, new year's eve into a new calendar. Yesterday in South Africa was Heritage Day. And the issue oftentimes is when we give our lives over to Jesus, and I'm closing with this. When we give our lives over to Jesus, we still hold on to our culture. Which is wrong. Because I'm not white, I'm not black, I'm not Tosa, I'm not Zulu, I'm not Boer, I'm not one-eighth Greek. I am a Christian. Because when I gave my life over to him, I no longer define myself that which causes me to separate myself from other people. I am now one with him, right? So and therefore I have given up everything that I am to be everything that he is and everything that he wants me to be. Okay, so that's me. So every time we celebrate our heritage in South Africa, we are celebrating the thing that keeps us different. Every time we celebrate our heritage, we celebrate that which God set us free from. Because I don't know about you, but I remember the Boers reading tea leaves. I don't know about you, but I know about the Greek Orthodox that read the, the, the I don't know what it is in, in English, but the coffee. After the coffee is sunk, they read that, and then they're like, we can tell you something about you. I don't know about you, but I know about the Tlossas and the Zulus and about how they slaughter animals and how they call up ancestral spirits, which is demonic spirits. It's not your ancestors. Your ancestors are dead. You are speaking to a spirit, and that spirit is a demonic spirit. That's why your life is, is the way that it is. That's why you're broke the way you're broke, because that demon is keeping you broke. You are free from those things, and unless when you look back in your family, you see through the veil of the blood of Jesus, what you're looking back to is something that could pull you back to. So you want to celebrate your heritage, but all you're trying to do is celebrate what God already set you free from. Now, here's the interesting thing. Yesterday was Heritage Day. Right? What we were. God's done something new by what he poured out his spirit in Krugersdom. And it's a new year in the Hebrew calendar. I, I, I've heard Angus a little bit. And I know he's not into the Hebraic stuff. So he probably didn't know what he was doing. He was only led by the spirit of the Lord. That the Lord would lead him on this day. That which was old. That which I set you free from. You're no longer that. Because in Christ I'm a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold I look in front of me. And forgetting those things which are behind me. I press on to the higher calling. Why do you run? For what is before you? What waits for you? Why did he save you? Why did he heal you? Why did he spare you from the car wreck? Why did he save you in that situation that you could have easily just went and died like other people? Why are you still here? Why do you run? There is something that the Lord has for each one of us. He doesn't always reveal everything to us because if he revealed everything to us, we would run away. If God told Paul about the shipwreck, Paul himself, I don't think, would have climbed onto the boat. Yet he said when he was climbing, I perceive, brethren, that if we're going to go here, we're going to sink. If God told Paul everything from the beginning, I don't think he would have signed up for the job. That's why God withholds something from you. Because out of fear, you will run away. But he's waiting for the process, toughening you up. He's giving you a lot of practice. That every single time I've wrestled with the devil, the only reason why God allowed me to wrestle with the devil is because he knew I could take it. I didn't think that I could take it. What is God putting you through? Why is he allowing it? Why do you run?